Tonight's episode is brought to you by survivalfeeling.com, our supporters on Patreon, and you, our listeners. All these hours to get there, and it was a real disappointment. There were too many ticks, and I'm like, this Mother Nature, Karen, she was just welcoming you with open arms. What is up, all of you wayward souls, and welcome back to the Wayward Stories podcast. Wayward Stories is the podcast where we tell stories of adventure in the great outdoors, adventures in self-discovery, adventures in anything that you really want to talk about. We're just here to try to be entertaining, and we are still looking for submissions from our listeners so we can start putting together listener-submitted podcasts. So if you have any great stories of any great adventures you've been into, send us an email at mywaywardstory at gmail.com, and we will get you on the list and get you queued up, keyed up, to be on the show. What's going on, guys? Like, I don't even know where to start. It's been a while since last time. I'm so happy to be back here in the studio recording once again, because to be in my studio means I am in my home. I have been in the great city of St. Louis um, multiple weeks out of the last more multiples of weeks. Um, Work has taken me there. It's just good to be home. Um, I'll tell you what, guys, like it gets, man, it's crazy. You come home when you leave for work for a couple of weeks and you don't have anyone at home, like keeping the home fires burning and things taken care of. It's like life just stops for two weeks. Like, all you do is work, eat, and sleep. And then you come home and it's like, oh crap, I've got to go to the grocery store. I've got to go to the bank. I've got a dentist appointment. Like, everything comes at you all at once. Um, And it gets just a little bit hectic. But all of that aside, I am recording right now. And that is the only thing that needs to be on my brain or your brains as you're listening to this. Hope you guys have had a good couple of weeks since the last time we talked. Mine were just filled with basically work and errands, so there's not much to talk about there. However, I do want to talk about, I want to talk a little bit about St. Louis. Um, We're going to get to the point of tonight's show soon enough. We're going to talk about a little place called Minnesota Falls, as you probably saw in the episode title, and another place as well fairly extensively called Johnson Shut-Ins. They're both in the same area, same little state park area um, up in Missouri, and we're going to talk about that mostly. Because that's where I've been. I've been in St. Louis for the last, you know, five, six weeks. And also, I spent a lot of time in St. Louis last year for Big Purple. So, I've been in the area quite a bit over the last couple of years. Um, And I just, I want to talk about, like, exploring in a city a little bit for just a minute before we get into all the outdoorsy stuff. So, just, you know, humor me. Bear with me. Um, For anyone that's listening that lives in a city, this is like nothing new to you. This is no news to you. But for any of the rest of the world that kind of grew up in rural America or in small cities, kind of like where I live now in Fort Smith, Arkansas, it's a it's a whole different world and it's a whole different culture. And interestingly enough, every city is its own culture. And that's kind of the really cool part about working for Big Purple in the manner that I do, like a traveling delivery driver, kind of a, you could almost call it a troubleshooter. We go into struggling CSAs and we fix stuff. We get it right. Um, You stay there for quite a while. You know, traveling to a city is one thing. We've all traveled to cities throughout our lives. But you go somewhere, you're there for two or three days, whatever. Like, you don't really get a taste of it. But when you go there for a month, 
when you go there for a month every other month for four or five months. I mean, we're talking spending an extended period of time in a city where you're actually living there and doing what I do as a delivery driver. I'm not only just like living there for a month. I'm not going to the same place every day for work. I'm going into different neighborhoods all over these cities and in and outside of the cities as well. You really get kind of immersed in the local area. Like I said, every city has its own little culture and has its own subcultures within it. And like, that's just kind of part of the beautiful thing about having a country as giant as ours and the melting pot that it is. There's all kinds of different experiences to be had. And you really, really get to kind of take them in when you spend an extended amount of time somewhere. It's the same way when I was in Indianapolis, same way when I was in San Francisco, um, Jackson, Tennessee, like everywhere is different. And, and it's pretty cool. There's only a couple of places I've been and I won't call them out specifically um, that really sucked. I have been to a couple of CSAs, a couple of areas that really sucked. Um, but St. Louis is one in and of itself. And it's really cool because like when you're in a city as old as St. Louis, no, it's not as old as Boston or New York City, but it's an old city. I mean, this goes back to pre-United States. This was, we're talking French trading post, French fur trading post. And there, it changed hands between the Spanish and the French and the Americans, you know, more than once. Um, there's a lot of history and I'm a history nerd. I've told y'all there's a lot of history in a city like St. Louis and a lot of cool things to see. Like any of you intrepid explorers out there that I hopefully am encouraging and inspiring, which is the whole goal of this podcast to get out and live your own adventures. Like don't die with no stories. Like we, I want to die with good stories. I heard that quote somewhere once. It's a great quote. Go out there and get some stories, but you don't just have to go outdoors. We're going to get to that tonight, but there's a lot of cool stuff going on in cities. And I'm not talking about tourist stuff. I'm not talking about like, yeah, sure. I've been to St. Louis a bunch. So I've been to ball games. I've been to the arch. Hell, I rode the Metro one day just to ride it. I got off work early and I just rode it from one end to the other. Just ride the train across St. Louis. That was super cool. Across the Mississippi River, down like through downtown by the arch, by Bush Stadium. Like guys, that was pretty cool. Like that was a cheap, good time for a couple of hours. Just checking out the city by going by it in a train. Um, there's a lot of really cool stuff, but that's very touristy stuff, right? There's actually just, there's a lot of really cool stuff like Laclede's Landing in St. Louis, right down under the bridges. Um, Martin Luther King Jr. Bridge is like right here, I think. And then the monument, uh, the arch, which is a national monument, was right there. The McKinley Bridge, I believe. No, it's two over. Anyway, all this history, Laclede's Landing, it's like the oldest remnant that exists in St. Louis of the original Old Town, right down on the riverfront. And they've done some awesome stuff with it. There's breweries, there's restaurants, there's there's different kinds of shops. The architecture is amazing. Guys, we're talking 1700s here. I think all of those buildings are from the 1800s. Don't misquote me. Um, but it it was was established in the 1700s. But all the buildings they have like mid 19th century architecture. Like there's a lot of cool stuff to explore. But that's like the coolest part about delivering for someone like my job in a city like St. Louis is you get to see a lot of the old neighborhoods. You get to see a lot of 
turn of the century architectures and you get to know people. You're talking to them all day, every day. And I don't know, that is one of the perks. That's one of the things I do actually enjoy about my job is really getting immersed and getting to know people and making friends all over the country because you're actually spending an extended amount of time there. But my advice to you is when you are out traveling, you're probably going to find yourself in cities, all kinds of different cities. When you do, don't just hit the main tourist attractions. Do a little research and look into, like like I said, in St. Louis, Laclede's Landing, you need to check out Laclede's Landing. And also St. Charles. St. Charles is super cool. St. Charles has got a very historic downtown waterfront on the, I believe they're on the Missouri River. Because St. Louis is right at the confluence of Missouri and Mississippi. Um, there's just There's a lot of cool little places like that, and they really lean into that. And they, they kind of get their own niche going and they've got lots of awesome places to eat and drink. If you're into that, lots of cool stuff to check out. And like just exploring these big cities has been really enjoyable for me. When I was in San Francisco, I was actually just south of San Francisco. I spent so much time in San Jose and so much time checking out downtown San Fran and going down to the bridge. Guys, get out, get out and live y'all. Take the opportunities. I'm not saying you have to take a full-on vacation to somewhere, but if you happen to be passing by somewhere, you know, maybe you can fit an extra few hours into your trip or find a way to make a little time. There's so much to do out there. And that's one reason tonight's actually a good episode. We're not going to talk about the city anymore. That's one reason tonight's episode is a good episode, and I'm excited to be making it. It's because from very early on, part of my goals were to show people, like we talked about in the Explore More episode, show people that you can get out more, but also that like it's not as big a stretch as you might think. Okay, anywhere you are, I promise you, if you draw a radius, a two-hour driving radius around where you're sitting right now, and you properly research it, there's always something close to you to go do something beautiful to see something informative to see something that'll make you smarter guys i've started learning how many damn prehistoric sites there are around the country with like dinosaur bones and footprints and bedrock and there's something everywhere for every taste so tonight's a great episode because st louis what is it it's huge metro area very very large um there's so much to do Within two hours of St. Louis, it would blow your mind. And we're going to talk about two things specifically I have done near St. Louis. But I'm going to give you a a whole friggin' list. I'm going to give you a laundry list when we get to the end of this episode of things within two hours of St. Louis proper. Um, Guys, there's so much going on in the northern Ozarks there. Like anyone, any of y'all, any of y'all living in St. Louis, you have no excuses. You have no excuses to say you don't have anything to do. You guys are surrounded by things to do um, that are all outdoor. And I'm not, I mean, not even remotely related or linked to a metro area, like way out in the mountains within two hours. And it's amazing. And we're going to talk about that some tonight. Well, let's go ahead and get to it. Let's get started. First thing we're going to talk about tonight is going to be Minnesota Falls Trail. It's a hiking trail in the upper Ozarks, approximately, if I recall, about one hour and 50 minutes south of St. Louis. These two things we're about to talk about um, are at the far extreme of that two hour radius that I talk about drawing. Um, 
it's a really cool place. You, you may not be aware of this. St. Louis is right on the northernmost edge of the Ozark Mountains. The Ozark Mountains are a ginormous area. Um, I'm going to explain it to you real quick here. From northeast Oklahoma and northwest Arkansas, where we talk about the Ozarks so much, we are in the Boston Mountain Range and the Springfield Plateau, all regions of the Ozark Mountains. Once you get to, I don't know, roughly Springfield, Branson, Missouri, it looks like you're on the Salem Plateau region of the Ozark Mountains. And when you get on up to St. Louis, there's a little blob there that is like the remnants of an ancient gigantic dome of magma that it pushed up from, you know, underneath the earth during far more chaotic times in earth's history. It's the remnants of a giant volcanic area and it's called the St. Francois mountains. And that's just South of St. Louis. People up there will say St. Francis. It's a colloquial thing. It's spelled St. Francois. It's French. That's the proper pronunciation. Guys, you'd be, you'd be amazed. You're in St. Louis. There are so many names that are French and everyone just kind of says them, not even phonetically the way they're spelled, like, um, fluorescent is fluorescent. Um, oh, this is a good one. Everyone says Belle Fountain. It's Belle Fontaine. Like there's not even a U in there, but everyone just says Belle Fountain. <laughs> Joliet. Everyone says Joliet. It's Jolet. Like it's French. Anyway, it just, it cracks me up. Like even in the upper Midwest. We redneckify everything, apparently. Um, but St. Francois Mountains, and it's actually a really, really beautiful region, region, and that's where this Minnesota Trail is. So you head south out of St. Louis, you drive about an hour and 50 minutes, and you're in an area where there's plenty of camping, plenty of fishing, plenty of hiking, plenty to do, but you are in absolutely in the Ozark Mountains with its dramatic views, its dramatic bluffs. As a matter of fact, on the Minnesota Falls Trail is Missouri's high point. Um, you have to go off trail like a hundred yards or something. And it, I don't remember it being actually very well marked when I actually did this trail, but you go over there and you stand there and there's just a tiny little monument that says, welcome to Missouri's high point. Um, it's dramatically beautiful. Just, just kind of like it is here in Arkansas in the Boston mountains, beautiful wildflowers everywhere. Um, it's an interesting place to like here in Arkansas, our Ozarks. A little bit more extreme. There are a lot more major relief changes, height changes, sheer-faced bluffs. They do exist where we're talking about tonight, but not like across the whole of the area. There are a lot of of uh, fields in the northern Ozarks. There are a lot of like plateaus and kind of almost plains-like areas, a lot of saddles. Um, it is more of a plateau region with interspersed geography jutting up from it um it's a really really beautiful area the minnesota falls trail itself it goes to the highest waterfall in missouri that's exactly really the only reason i went to that specific place on the day i went i'm gonna go to the tallest waterfall in missouri been to the tallest waterfall in arkansas hemden hollow been to the tallest waterfall in the United States and also at the same time in California when I saw upper and lower Yosemite Falls. Tallest waterfall in Indiana, Williamsport Falls. Um, we'll talk about that in another episode. We're going to do a whole Indiana episode. It's just going to be when the time is right. So 
All y'all Indianans out there, I know all you corn-fed brothers and sisters out there are waiting for that episode. I've actually heard from some of y'all because I've mentioned it so many times. We'll get there. We'll get there. I promise. When the time is right, Indiana will get its own episode. Um, but Minnesota Falls itself, it's it's a very picturesque place. It's a good place for some photography, but we'll, we'll talk about that. The trail itself is 2.9 miles, and you will gain 430 feet of elevation as you go. It is described as essentially moderate, and I'll go with that. There are places it's a very easy trail, but there are places it's more of a moderate trail. Like once you get a little further in, and I went on a particularly wet day in the winter, um, and it gets, gets a little bit treacherous as you get towards further towards the fall, the elevation changes get a little bit more, um, not extreme, but they, there are more of them. And it's a little bit scrambly in places because we're talking about bedrock here. There's not a lot of like kind of crushed gravel, not a lot of dirt here in the Arkansas Ozarks. A lot of our trails are mostly dirt, right up there. There's a whole lot of bedrock, and bedrock can be tough to walk on. Lots of hard little knobs that don't kick out of the way when your toe hits it, right? Um, and they can be particularly slick with all the lichens and the mosses that grow on them. And that day, it was a little bit treacherous, so I'll go with moderate all day long. To see the fall specifically, once you, you make the trip in and you go down into where the fall is, like the base of the fall, you can hike up at first, and I did that to the very top of the fall. And it's kind of pretty, but you can't see like can't see it in context really you have to go down to the bottom of the fall and that did require a scramble that was a straight up scramble like I was hanging on trees and sliding down little portions and it was a quite a bit more treacherous to get down to the bottom of the fall the fall itself what you need to know about it if you take this hike you hear 132 foot waterfall and you think that must be beautiful tallest waterfall in Missouri gotta go do this it's not like a 132 sheer drop. It's not a one drop fall. It's like a multiple, multiple drop fall. It's more of a cascade. It's a 132 foot tall cascade. The tallest waterfall within that cascade is around 30 feet, which is impressive in and of itself. But it's really hard with forest undergrowth to find any position to actually view the entirety of the waterfall. I never, I don't believe, I never felt like I actually got far enough back with enough perspective to actually see the entire fall from top to bottom because it cascades so far down so many times. The top of the fall is quite a ways back from you. When you're down at the base, you're not directly underneath the top of the fall. You're quite a distance removed from it. It's still beautiful. There are still some great pictures to be taken. I got a couple that I was pretty much happy with. There was enough water flow that day for me to get a decent long exposure on it. Um, and it was cloudy, which helped a lot, as you all know, into photography. Um, but it's just not... Guys, it's really beautiful. It's a great hike. It, it'll get your blood pumping. It's not super dangerous. It's more of a moderate hike. It's, it's a great hike. It's a wonderful hike to take. But just kind of know what to expect. Like when you get to the end, the waterfall itself is fun to explore at the top. It's fun to get down to at the bottom, but it's not like a, you're not going to get the whole 132 foot of cascades into a single picture from what I could see. I've not really found anyone that did. I've seen people online that think they did, but like they didn't, they only got probably 
60 or 80 feet worth of drop in. That's about all I can tell that you can actually see from the bottom. But again, those are over multiple cascades, not any huge single drops that you can really, really get eyes on. Um, but it's absolutely worth making the hike. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, the highlands there, like I said, there's a lot more bedrock. There's a different kind of look to it than there is here in Arkansas. Like our, our dolomite domes and things that we see on our sheer faces up in the Ponca wilderness area, like big bluff and a lot of those sheer bluffs when they got those dark black stains running down the sides and they're real white faced bluffs, they have their own look. Up in the Missouri Ozarks, again, we're in a whole different region of them. The St. Francois Mountains, they have a whole different look, but they're still beautiful. There's still a lot of bluffs. There's still a lot of sheer drops. There's still a lot of greenery, obviously. It's, it's a beautiful place. It's an absolutely serene and beautiful place. All you hear is the wildlife and the insects chirping away. Um, but you're only two hours, less than two hours from St. Louis huge major metropolitan area and it's a great hike to get in and like i said in the area you have hiking or uh camping you have camping to go along with your hiking you have birding you you birders out there like i just love saying that let's go birding um there's a lot of great bird watching there a lot of great photography opportunities it's a really great area and that's a weekend for you in st louis is it not two hour drive after work set up your camp do a hike on Saturday, um, check out Minnesota Falls, do all the things there. But there's also something else you can do on Saturday. And that's what we're going to talk about now. Um, actually, first, I want to belay that, belay that, belay that order. One second. What we're going to talk about real quick. I actually had a little situation that occurred while I was on the Minnesota Falls Trail that was like a something I already knew but needed to be reminded of. And made a great little lesson. And I want to talk about that lesson here. I actually made an, uh, a little video about it, like a three-minute long video, and kind of talked about it the day there on the trail that it happened. It's back on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash wayward stories. Um, you could probably go find that. But honestly, you probably don't need to because I'm about to say it all again right here. Um, I had a little situation. Okay, what had happened was I went in on Sunday afternoon. It's just the way a work day worked out. Went in on Sunday afternoon. It's a two-hour drive. So I was getting there, and it was in winter. I believe it was early winter. I think we were in November. And it gets dark. At that time, I believe dark was around 6 o'clock, 6.15. So I get off on an early day from work. I make a two-hour drive. I'm starting a 2.9-mile hike at like 3 in the afternoon with three hours of daylight. So I was in a little bit of a hurry. I was the only car in the parking lot. It's Sunday afternoon, Okay. Didn't really think about that. I get out there, hike the trail, having to watch my footing. Like I said, it was real slick. It was kind of, it had been raining. Um, and it was in November. It was getting cold. I get down to the waterfall, like right where I'm going to start my way down into the fall. And I dislocated my knee. Um, that, well, let me reword that. That sounds extreme. You probably went just like, good. It's weird. My knees and one of my ankles kind of have this weird thing going on where like they can just dislocate randomly and it's not a big deal. Like it hurts for a minute and I have to kind of like walk around and tell myself how stupid I am for a minute and kind of shake it off. And then it just swells up a little bit. It gets tight and then it's better by like 
two or three days later. Like I go to work on it, walk on it, whatever. No big deal. Like I'm sure it's actually a huge deal. I'm going to have to have my knees replaced at some point, but it's just a fact of my life for the last several years. They can kind of just randomly, if I get the wrong footing, just a quick little, you know, pop in and out. No big deal. So that happened like right at the top. I was holding on to a tree, like a small sapling. So it's no big deal. Had I not been, had it hurt worse and I lost my footing, there was a long ride down to the bottom of that little valley to get to the bottom of the waterfall. So, you know, I got my composure back and I went down, got my way down, took my pictures, whatever, climbed back out, feeling my knee aching a little bit. And as I was thinking about it, I was like, man, you were just really close to being in a really bad situation. And that's what I called that YouTube video was identifying dangerous situations. I went in, just just nonchalant. I'm just out there hiking a trail, right? I do it all the time. Flies right over top of your head. No big deal. But in that moment, and I had some time to ruminate about it as I took my pictures and set up my shots and start my hike back out. And it really dawned on me. It's like, no, I was in much closer to a dangerous situation than I gave it credit for. And here's why. Like, let's analyze the situation. I started in late on a Sunday afternoon. So number one, if I go down, say I'm still conscious, like it could be worst case. I mean, guys, it's like a 30 or 40 foot bouncing down the side of a hill with, you know, hard Ozark rocks and trees and things everywhere. If I'm knocked unconscious, even if I'm not knocked unconscious, let's give it a best case scenario. I'm not knocked unconscious. Maybe I've broken a leg or something. If I've broken a leg because of a misstep, because I was hiking alone at 4.30 in the afternoon on a winter day, I'm laying at the bottom of a ravine, wet and cold, with night approaching. I'm going to be out there all night. Why? Because that's the other part we need to analyze. I started Sunday afternoon late. There wasn't another car in the parking lot. Guess what? There weren't going to be any more cars in the parking lot. It's Sunday afternoon. The weekend is over. The week is about to start. The what ifs compile as you go. I could have been there till Tuesday or Wednesday. Who knows if when the next person would have come out to hike. Who knows if there's a ranger that comes out and checks everything out every so often. I mean, it's a state park. Sure. Who knows? I'm in St. Louis. I'm up there at work alone. The only people that are going to notice me missing is when I don't show up for work Monday morning. They wouldn't even have had a clue where to look. I had made the fatal mistake of not leaving a trip plan. I didn't tell the people I work with, think I'm an idiot for all this crap I do. I don't tell them, hey, if I'm not at work tomorrow, which I do now, I didn't then. So I'm out there. Nobody knows where I am. No one that cares about me as a human, they all live here in Arkansas. If I go down, it's not uncommon for them to not hear from me for three or four or five days while I'm at work, right? Like, because I'm out of state. I literally could have been in an absolute worst case scenario by a simple slip, you know, my something I know about myself. I have weak knees, had a failure. This is what you call a cascading failure. One small thing goes wrong at the wrong time. It's kind of like the perfect storm, that movie. It's kind of like a lot of things. I could go back historically, but you wouldn't get any other references because you don't care about history. A lot of a lot of mysterious shipwrecks that happened over the years were from really old ocean liners carrying coal in their holds and it corrodes the internal organs and then all of a sudden a rivet pops and suddenly it's sinking from the inside out nobody knows it that's called a cascading failure one little thing causes another larger thing that causes a much bigger thing that's a cascading failure i was in a scenario where i could have been facing a very real cascading failure and i lucked out 
I was in, you know, had my hand placed in the right place. I had a grip on something. I didn't go down. But that's a lesson we all need to keep at the forefront of our minds when we go hiking and kayaking and mountain biking, especially if we're hiking alone, if we're biking alone. You need to be more heightened and more aware because, guys, listen, this is from like medical experience. Femurs break easier than they think you might think they do, especially at high speed, especially on a mountain bike or especially on a hike on a on a trail with a lot of elevation. If you go down very far at all, femur's not that big a deal to break, but it's a huge deal if it breaks. Easy to break, not easy to fix, not easy to drag yourself out of that situation. Being unconscious for an extended amount of time, not not a good thing. It's not a good thing if no one knows. Okay, like. We need to be aware of this. And that's the only reason I bring it up. Something for us all to talk about and keep in mind. You need to be aware. Even when you're going into something that seems easy and you're just kicking along on nonchalant like it's NBD, it can be a BD real quick. You just need to be aware of that. Um, Anyway, we'll get on now to the next area that I want to talk about. But just keep that in mind for me, guys. Just be safe out there search and rescue guys they love to search and rescue but they don't want to have to i've said it before i'll say it again we love what we do we don't want to have to do it be safe um all right so that is the minnesota falls trail that we have just discussed once again 2.9 miles 433 feet in elevation gain to see the tallest waterfall in missouri at 132 feet high i want to take a second to tell you guys about tonight's sponsor survival feeling Survival Feeling is a hiking brand based in Greece, and they offer an assortment of gear that's aimed towards the goal of helping you better enjoy your time outside. And that is, of course, what we are all about here at Wayward Stories. I really like this company for a lot of reasons, but chief amongst them is that they were founded with giving back to the community in mind. They donate a portion of all proceeds to organizations like the Wildland Firefighters Foundation to help support those who work to keep us all safe while we're out there trying to find ourselves. We've partnered with them to bring you guys a unique coupon code that will save you wayward souls 15% off of your order. Go to survivalfeeling.com and use offer code waywardstories at checkout. I think you guys will like what they have to offer and what they're all about just as much as I do. Once again, that's survivalfeeling.com and use the offer code waywardstories. So that is the Minnesota Falls Trail that we have just discussed. Once again, 2.9 miles, 433 feet in elevation gain to see the tallest waterfall in Missouri at 132 feet high. Um, And also you can go to Missouri's High Point and say that you've been there when you hike that trail. Just down from Minnesota Falls, a part of the same area, is Johnson Shut-Ins. And that's really where you're kind of going even when you're going to the Minnesota Falls area. It's all part of like the Tom Sock Recreational Area. Johnson Shut-Ins is a super cool place, y'all. Like, it is like ridiculously cool. Got several hiking trails. We're going to go all over all of it. In detail, we're going to spend some time here, okay? I loved Johnson's shut-ins. But I'm going to read to you from Wikipedia to give you guys an idea of kind of the the general idea of what's going on at Johnson's shut-ins. So we'll do that. From Wikipedia, Johnson's shut-ins state park is a public recreation area covering 8,781 acres on the east fork of the Black River in Reynolds County, Missouri. The state park is jointly administered with the adjoining Tom Sock Mountain State Park, and together the two parks cover more than 16,000 acres in the San 
St. Francois Mountain region of the Missouri Ozarks. The term shut-in refers to a place where the river's breadth is limited by hard rock that is resistant to erosion. In these shut-ins, the river cascades over and around smooth, worn, igneous rock, creating a natural water park that is used by park visitors when water levels are not dangerously high. It is an erosion-resistant rhyolite porphyry and dark-colored diabase dikes of proto-proterozoic age. Waters in the East Fork of the Black River became confined or shut in to a narrow channel following fractures and joints within the hard igneous rock. Waterborne sand and gravel cut deep, deeply even into this erosion-resistant rock, carving potholes, chutes, and canyon-like gorges. Of note, the Osage Nation hunted this area, pre-colonial history. Anyway, it's a super cool place. Number one, it's absolutely amazing to look at. It's like a different landscape. It's like a moon. Well, it's not a moonscape because there's not fluid water on the moon. There is frozen water on the moon. Did y'all know that? In the polar regions, moon has water. Anyway, it, it's, it's kind of like an otherworldly appearance. You get down and you see the river cascading through all these rock formations. The pictures I'm looking at right now, if y'all, if y'all aren't driving while you're listening, if you can Google it, check out some of the pictures, guys. It is super, super cool. These potholes they're talking about right here, this picture I'm looking at, it's three young boys swimming in what otherwise wouldn't, without them for perspective, it otherwise wouldn't even look like a large enough hole of water to swim in. But with them for perspective, it's like a giant little puddle of water, but it's a deep puddle of water with this really cool waterfall, like short two or three foot cascade waterfall dropping out of it. Guys, it was an awesome place to be. Fishing the shut-ins as well. Like, if you want a good time in the summer, St. Louisans or anyone that wants to go to this area. Again, we're going to touch on this at the end of the episode. Like, this general area, the St. Francois Mountain region, guys, this is worth like a week's vacation for y'all anywhere in the country. Once I tell you what all's here and how busy you will be with some really cool stuff, you're, you're going to love it. Um, but this state park in particular, a lot of hiking, you hike down and you hike along the river and you can go right into Johnson shut-ins and you can swim anywhere you want to swim. You can fish anywhere you want to fish. Y'all small mouth, small mouth, y'all small mouth, small mouth. You need to check that out. I had a great time wading around fishing and even swimming a little bit. The day that I went to Johnson shut-ins was actually a different day than I hiked, um, Tomsock or uh, Minnesota Falls. That was a different day. I did this just recently. I did Minnesota Falls last November, I think. I did this part just recently. Guys, it's an awesome place. They have a ton of camping places, ton of camping stuff you can do, places you can stay there real close by. You go down to these shut ins and you want to talk about a good time for you and your family, y'all. Take the kids out there, you know, the water level's right, be safe, do all the safe things. Um, you know, disclaimer, unfortunately, when I went about doing my research on this just the other day, young girl had died just the day before she was 18 and she climbed somewhere she shouldn't climb. Cascading failure, y'all, like making decisions that are not the best informed decisions. And she did no knock on her. She did something I've done a million times. She did something you listening have probably done a million times. 
something that was just a little stupid and sketchy. Cause again, you know, nothing wrong ever actually happens, right? She climbed up on a rock. She shouldn't have climbed up on, she lost her footing and you know, she passed away. Unfortunately, um, it's not uncommon there in the shut-ins. So it is a relatively dangerous place. Y'all need to understand that. Okay. Um, but it's an amazing place and the fishing again, the smallmouth fishing in North and well, this is really kind of more like central Missouri to me. It's Northern for some reason in my poor little brain, St. Louis is like at the top of Missouri, but it's not. I mean, this is really more the central region of Missouri, central Eastern region. Um, but right there at the top, northernmost edge of the Ozark Mountains. There's some beautiful stuff going on and the smallmouth fishing in that area is absolutely amazing. I've had wonderful time fishing up there. Missouri, you need to bring your out-of-state resident fishing tags down just a little bit. Y'all are like Oklahoma. Y'all got a little bit greedy. It's a little bit disproportionate to the rest of the country. It's really disproportionate to Texas who does the most awesome thing ever, by the way. I love to give Texas a hard time. I grew up in Oklahoma, so it's our job to hate on Texas. Like, that's just, we're raised that way. But Texas is a great state for a lot of reasons. And one of those reasons is free fishing for anyone inside of a state park in the state of Texas. How about that, Missouri? How about that, Oklahoma? I'm looking at you guys. You want to get people into the state parks? You want to get people out of the house? Do something smart like that. Make it free fishing for anyone as long as they're in the state park. No tag required. Anyway, not the case here. Good on you, Texas. Missouri, I'm mad at you because I can't really hardly afford to fish with you. Um, Being an out-of-state resident, but this, the smallmouth in the Ozarks is wonderful. And fishing them here in Johnson Shut-In specifically, it's 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 an awesome experience. Like I said, it's kind of like an otherworldly landscape that you're already in. Like you're already kind of taken aback by the beauty of the area. You're kind of taken aback by how different the geology is and how beautiful all the waterfalls and cascades are because there are waterfalls and cascades everywhere. Like for me, I was like fighting this battle between, cause I'm out there waist deep in this water. Like I need to go get my camera. So I'm constantly walking back and forth, putting my fishing pole down, bringing my camera out, get done with the camera, go back and get my fishing pole. Like it was a little complex to be quite honest. Um, but really beautiful place, tons of little swimming holes, a great place to cool off in the summer, a great place to fish. And as we're about to talk about a great place to hike as well. There are basically four trails in the Johnson shut-in area, according to all trails. Johnson's shut-ins state park trail, that one will take you along the shut-ins themselves. That'll take you along the river where you can do a lot of fishing, a lot of photography, and even get out there and get your toes wet. Um, the Scour Trail is interesting. I've got to tell you a little story here. This is something I just learned about several years ago. There was a big water reservoir somewhere up the mountain from this area. And it failed. Catastrophic failure. You need to Google it and look into it. It's very interesting. Um, I believe it was a hydroelectric facility. And it failed. Like this was like in 2005, I think. Or maybe it was 2015. I think it was 2005. Anyway, sometime in the 2000s, recent, it failed catastrophically. And it basically wiped everything downstream out. Like they had to rebuild the campgrounds at Tomsock or uh, Johnson Shut-In State Park. It's a whole thing, but one of these trails is called the Scour Trail. They call it the Scour because when the river cut loose from that dam failure, it scoured out the valley. And this actually goes up the scar. You can hike up through the scar that that catastrophic 
dam failure created. Um, there's also Goggins Mountain Trails, 10.2 miles long. It's a big one. I believe it may be that trail that is equestrian. There's one trail up there at the very least that is an equestrian trail. I'm trying to look right now. Yes, horseback riding. That is an equestrian trail, 10.2 miles. And Horseshoe Glade is also a 1.8 mile trail, which is much shorter. I don't believe that. Goggins Mountain is going to be your equestrian trail. If you guys got horses, you want to go horsey riding, you can do that on Goggins Mountain. All of these trails are great. Johnson Shut-Ins Trail, 2.4 miles. It's it's a good trail. It was a fun trail to hike. Um, and if, like I say, if you hike the leg of it that is closest to the river, you get access to all the stuff you want to do with fishing, swimming, etc., etc., etc. I did see one review of the Johnson Shut-In State Park Trail, and I was reading reviews on all trails, and she said, essentially, not an exact quote, but essentially, we got like a quarter of a mile in, and there were just too many ticks this really needs to be taken care of. We had to turn around. This was on like a, one of the tops of my list for hiking. And we drove all these, all this, all these hours to get there. And it was a real disappointment. There were too many ticks. And I'm like, that's mother nature, Karen. Like she was just welcoming you with open arms. Like, yeah, you're hiking. There are going to be ticks. Anyway, let's move on. Let's move on. Um, we need to talk about here. Here's what we're going to talk about. I want to talk about, to wrap this all up, because we, we kind of focused and we did our thing here with Johnson shut-ins and with Minnesota Falls. Those are awesome places, constitute an entire weekend for somebody. No problem. From anywhere. St. Louis, you guys are literally two hours from an amazing place where you can spend a whole weekend for pretty darn cheap and have a good time. Anywhere else in the country, you guys, man, it wouldn't, it'd be worth your time to make a trip out of this. You can make a whole family vacation about what's going on here in the northern area of the Ozark Mountains, in the St. Francois Mountain area. Um, and I'm about to tell you about all those things. Like, this will constitute one of my big trips someday when I'm not actually working in St. Louis anymore because right now, if I drove up there right now to get like a three or four day getaway in, I would just feel like I was driving back to work and it would kill me. Like I couldn't do it. It'll have to be someday when I'm in a different city and time has healed all wounds. Um, but there's so much to do up here and we're going to go over that now. That's how we're going to take this episode out is I'm going to tell you the plethora of things you can do up in the area around St. Louis. And like, guys, there's so much, we're not even going to touch it all. Like there's stuff I'm not even going to touch. I'm leaving out stuff in Western Illinois. There's a lot of stuff right across the line. Um, I'm leaving out most things that are going on north of St. Louis, but you can go up, go north of St. Louis. You can go up to Hannibal guys. You can go to the Mark Twain cave. That is something I did. Mark Twain cave. Really cool. And really cool people there too. Ran by a really cool family. Got a history that goes way back with that cave. It's called the Mark Twain cave because Samuel Clemens himself played in that cave as a child. And if you've ever read the adventures of Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn, if you've ever read any of that stuff, the caves that are going, that, that are referenced in those books, they were drawn from Mark Twain's childhood, Samuel Clemens childhood memories of playing in this cave. Um, the scene where 
where Tom and Becky are in the cave and the candle goes out. Do y'all remember that? That was written with inspiration from Samuel Clement's time in this cave. And as of a couple of years ago, they actually found his signature in pencil on the cave wall amongst the tens of thousands of other signatures done in pencil and, and soot and, oh my God, charcoal. Guys, it's a super cool tour. It's a super good time. Like, you'll love it. You'll, it's worth every penny. It wasn't very expensive. And it's a great little trip. Hannibal itself is a really cool place. And also, they have another cave there at Mark Twain Cave um, in their little area. It's called Crystal Cave. It's right across the property. It was discovered a little bit later after what's now called the Mark Twain Cave. And they do a guided-by-lantern tour that's like a two-hour-long tour and a little bit more adventurous than the Mark Twain Cave tour. It's, Mark Twain's a little bit more tame. Crystal Cave, a little bit more adventurous. I totally would have done that but didn't get to. I didn't have the opportunity to because it was actually closed. I went last year on one of my trips to St. Louis. COVID restrictions were still big time. Everything was locked down. Um, Mark Twain Cave was open at that time, but Crystal Cave was not open. It is open again now from what I can read online, and you guys need to go throw some of your hard-earned money at those folks. They're good folks. they got a cool thing going on there. That's one of the things you can do north of St. Louis. Um, south of St. Louis, all of this, again, within two hours of St. Louis. I drew a big circle, checked it all out. South of St. Louis, there are so many state parks. There are more state parks, as my mom used to say, than you can shake a stick at. Merrimack State Park has 13 miles of trails. It's got Fisher Cave within there that you can go exploring in. I believe they're guided tours and fish and fisher cave. You can do a lot of smallmouth fishing, catfish fishing, camping. You're on the Merrimack River there. They've got a great little state park with a lot of hiking and a super cool cave to check out. Another one, Onondaga. Probably mispronounced that. It's Native American word, but Onondaga Cave State Park. And also Cathedral Cave, right there on the same property where they have a lantern tour. That state park has tours through two different caves. Again, hiking, fishing, camping, floating. You can get on the river in kayaks, canoes, rentals of any kind on the river right there in Onondaga Cave State, state Park, Merrimack State Park. Similar things within, I think both of those are under an hour. Most of them are like right at an hour 15, hour 30. Um, those two state parks have a lot of cool stuff going on. Really cool caves. That is like one of the biggest thing is you go into these state parks. Not only are you getting to do what, like say I would get to do, say if I went to a state park in Oklahoma or Texas, or even a lot of the ones here in Arkansas, all of our caves are closed. All I can really do is fish, camp, hike there. You can fish, camp, hike and cave. Really cool stuff. All within hour and a half St. Louis. St. Francois State Park, over 100 campsites. They have a huge camping area. Same stuff, floating, fishing, hiking. No cave to my knowledge in that particular state park, but they do have equestrian trails if you're into horseback riding. Um, all, let's see, what do we got there? Yeah, oh, an Elephant Rock State Park. This one, this one, a little bit different. This has got a lot of hiking, beautiful views. Um, I saw some pictures of water sources that looked beautiful, but I couldn't find real good information about it to, uh, like tell me if it's like fishing is something, if there's a river that runs right through there. But what I did see is really, again, we kind of have another otherworldly landscape going on. It has a lot to do with the geology and, um, ancient volcanic activity, 
um, creating what they call elephant rocks. And they're really cool rocks, kind of look like elephants from a distance, some of them do. Um, and it's a very ethereal landscape, so to speak. You catch it at sunset, it's a great place to take pictures. A lot of cool hiking, a lot of cool pictures to take there. That's just four state parks, just south of St. Louis, within an hour to an hour and a half of St. Louis. Four state parks, all of them in the woods, in nature, backcountry stuff going on and lots of it to do it is super cool place like i said what have we talked about so far minnesota falls tom sock mountain um johnson shut-ins mark twain cave four state parks like all of this all of this outdoors stuff so many caves so many caves guys missouri has so many caves and so many of them are developed for you to be able to check out for you to be able to go in and see and there's just so much to do there, guys. Like, you got to get on the Google box and check it out. You got to check it out. There's a lot of cool stuff going on there. Um, and also, the last two things we're going to talk about. These two, these two are super awesome. These two I have not had the chance to do yet. And these two alone will constitute a trip for me someday. A standalone trip, not while I'm at work. Not anything like that. A standalone trip back to the northern portion of the Missouri Ozarks, just south of St. Louis. Because they are so damn cool. I just can't even. We're going to start with, let's start with this one. Let's start with the Crystal City Kayak Tour. Let me find my page that I pulled up. Here we go. I'm going to draw this information from a website not associated with Crystal City Kayaks because they don't actually really have a web page. They're more associated with Crystal City Underground, which is currently closed because of flooding in the mine. Um, but this is a blog post that was written by someone named Angie Kuntz, and her website is we're not in Kansas anymore.com. Give proper citation, you know, check it out. She's a great writer and a great so to speak, photojournalist on this blog. But anyway, I'm going to take some stuff from this about the Crystal City Kayak Tour because what it is, is kayaking on an underground lake in an abandoned mine. And if that's not the title alone, if that description alone does not get you salivating at adventure, you may not have a pulse. Kayaking in an underground mine. I'll say it again. There you go. This is absolutely cool. This is an abandoned mine that has filled with a lake when they turn the pumps off. When mine operations like this are abandoned, they're only held open by, by massive water pumps keeping the water out because you get way down below the water table. Well, when they go down, you know, you shut down the business, you turn off the pumps, fills up with water. So this is a two and a half hour experience of kayaking on a 150 acre subterranean lake. And it's even more, even cooler, administered by a man named Don Marson, who is a veteran of our United States military. And this is what he does. And I love this dude. I just love this dude by the description of him. Like she says right here, he won't cut you any slack, but he's a great guide. And also, he only accepts payment and cash. I see you, Don, and I appreciate you for who you are and what you're doing. Like, it's like $45 for a two and a half hour kayak trip in an underground cave. 
in an underground mine, abandoned mine. That means there's abandoned things to look at in the mine. Like how big is Urbex now? How big is exploring um, abandoned things? The hashtags, abandoned places, hashtags, er, hashtag Urbex on Instagram. People love abandoned stuff that nature's reclaiming. This is an underground mine. There's all kinds of cool machinery and stuff in this crystal clear water that you're going to kayak around and see for yourself on this awesome adventure. And like, I'm going to get right to like some of the pictures here are amazing. And obviously you can't see them, but if you're not at work, you should go to we're not in Kansas and find this blog by Angie Kuntz and look through these pictures. She took some great pictures. Um, here specifically, there's a couple of places you need to know about. And one specifically is called the squeeze box. It is a place where you have to tuck your kayak or your paddle down into your kayak, slide down in your seat and laid back in your kayak and actually go through this section by putting your hands right in front of your face and pushing yourself because you are at the roof of a flooded room. How terrifyingly awesome is that? Like Don, from what I can see, Don says he's never actually lost anyone that he's aware of. So just keep that in mind, but you guys should check that out. I'm going to check it out. There's no way I'm not doing this. It's just a matter of when it's going to happen. Crystal City Underground Kayak Tours. Don Marson. Google it. Check out WeAreNotInKansasAnymore.com and Angie Kuntz and this great article she wrote about it. That's not, by the way, this is a personal blog. A, a husband and a wife. I suggest checking them out. It's not like a like a news um, a news affiliate that does this little, you know, like outdoors blog. Those are boring and contrite. Like, this is a personal experience. Somebody who's doing her own passion project, just like I'm doing here with Wayward Stories. So y'all should go check it out and check out her article. There's some great, great, great pictures and a great description of it. Um, one more time, Don Marson, Crystal City Kayak Tour, something y'all need to check out. And the last thing we're going to talk about that there is to do up here in this amazing area, of the Northern Ozarks and the St. Francois Mountains, has to do with another mine. This is the Bonterre Mine. Any of you out there who are scuba divers probably have actually already heard of this. I'm not sure why we're even talking about it except for it's just like the coolest damn thing ever. And I want to tell everyone about it because it's just really interesting. Scuba divers probably already aware of it. But what it is, it is in and of itself also an abandoned mine in this area. National Geographic calls Bonterre Mine one of America's top 10 greatest adventures. It is one of the world's largest man-made caverns, founded in 1860 as one of history's earliest deep-earth-lead mines. This was the world's largest producer of lead ore until it was closed in 1962. It has five levels, not suitable for service animals. Two upper levels are lighted and used for one-hour guided walking tours, and there's also a boat tour. You can do a, wiking, uh, a walking tour alone, a walking plus boat tour combination, and that's for all of us who aren't scuba certified. I almost got certified once, didn't go through with it. But for all of us who aren't scuba certified, which is like most of the population, there is a way to explore and check out the Bonterre mine. It is a little pricey. And to be honest, that's one of the biggest complaints you see about it in comments and reviews is this was really cool, but it's a little steep for what we get. So just FYI. No knock on you, Bonterre Mine. I know you've got great stuff going on, but apparently 
everyone feels it's a little steep. And I even, when I Googled it, I was like, I will go do this. They will get my money, but it is a little on the pricey side. Um, but what's super cool about it is you can scuba dive in it, which I'm sure the intelligent among you have already inferred from things I've previously said, but the bottom three levels get into the water and it is a 1 billion gallon, 17 mile long lake. And it is illuminated by more than 500,000 Watts of stadium lighting set in above the water's surface. They've done a lot of work to make this accessible to scuba divers. Um, there's abandoned shafts. There's abandoned equipment at the bottom of the damn lake. Like there's stuff everywhere to explore. And I actually did quite a bit further research. I didn't pull up that page here because I didn't feel like I needed to get into that part for today's episode. But I read more in depth about what the scuba divers were doing and what you can do. It's really interesting. There are, there are pre-set out diving trails. And they are scaled in a way that you have to get X amount of experience in this specific mine. To be a scuba diver and to do certain dives, you have to get so many hours, you have to do so many dives, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But for this cave specifically, they require you. Before you can do the more the next most extreme level, you have to have like, I don't remember the number, but just generic number, 20 dives on this level before they will even let you attempt the next level. And then you have to get like 20 dives on that level before you can go into more exploratory type of dives. How awesome is that? Like, and it's so clear. This is the kind of place that had I had something like this in mind, I would have finished my scuba certification. Like I didn't go on through with my certification because I was like, look, I just don't like dark water. Y'all heard me talk about snakes. I'm phobic of snakes. Sure. I ain't gonna lie about it, but Dark water is my other big one. And as much time as I spend on rivers, you'd be like, that doesn't make any sense. How do you do that? Because I go on clear water rivers. As long as I can see what's under me, I'm cool, man. Like, it don't bother me at all. I'm totally fine. But dark water, strip pits, we have a lot of strip pits. I don't know. Some of y'all out there in the world may not even be aware of what strip mining is. But here where I'm from in eastern Oklahoma, western Arkansas, it was a big deal at one time. And they just, you know, walked off and abandoned these giant holes in the ground that filled in with water. And they're like, some of them are 200 feet deep. That's dark water. The idea of hundreds of feet below me into ultimate darkness, not not for me. It's not for me. And I was going to get my scuba certification. I was like, I don't like swimming around in the, the mud soup that all of our rivers and lakes are around here anyway. And it was expensive to get. But, you know, if I'd thought of things like Bon Terre, heck yeah, clear water to dive in in a confined environment with, oh my gosh, guys, it's awesome. It's awesome. And not just for scuba divers. Any of you out there interested in caves and history and things like that, there's a tour that you can take and go in there and check out this awesome abandoned mine. This mine and the Crystal City Kayak Tour is not that far apart. None of this, everything I talked about tonight, none of it is that far apart from the other, to be completely honest. Like it's all within two hours of St. Louis, guys. You could spend a couple of weeks up here, honestly, if you wanted to explore both the city itself, go to some ball games. One time I watched Adam Wainwright. I watched Wayno pitch a one hit shutout. Okay. And hit a home run and win a one Oh game. Literally provided his own offense, pitched a one hit shutout. I got to see that with my own eyes. That was a legendary moment. There's cool stuff you can do in St. Louis. Go up in the arch. Guys, going up in the arch is an adventure of itself. They put you in this little capsule that I would call like a space egg. And it's a little bit janky. Like there are moments where you feel like this might not be okay. 
I might not be okay. Your brain's like, be logical, Justin. This has been going on for like this since the 1960s or whatever. They tell you all that history, like nothing's going to happen. You're going to be totally fine. But you're listening to this thing creak and groan and click, clack, click, clack. It's way up this system and you're in this little confined egg. That's kind of adventurous. And seeing St. Louis from 660 some odd feet in the air, pretty awesome. Seeing the, the Mississippi River below you. You could go spend a week, couple of weeks in St. Louis if you're the outdoorsy type. You could explore the city itself and you can explore all the things I talked about tonight. Guys, there's a lot to do up there, a lot of stuff. And specifically, again, the contrast of staying in a metro, but look at all of this stuff the great outdoors has to offer within an hour of me, hour and a half of me, two hours of me. There's always something close by to do. I hope I have hammered that point home in tonight's episode. We have ran really long. This episode got far longer. I thought I was going to have to pad this episode. I was like, what the hell am I going to talk about? I don't have enough to talk about tonight. It ended up being more than enough with my, what's becoming somewhat infamous, rambling nature in online circles. I see y'all. I hear what y'all talking about. It's okay. I'm all right with it. I am all right with it. Anyway, like I said, I'm all about constructive criticism. Always about hearing from you guys. We want to make the product better every time. We want to get better every week. But we're going to wrap it up for tonight. I have now rambled on for the better part of an hour, if not longer. I want to thank you guys for coming back yet again, just one more week to listen to me talk for some reason. I'm so thankful that you do. I am humbled by it. Please leave a review. Please Please rate us and subscribe to us on your podcast player of choice. It really helps us get bumped up in the rankings. If you have a story you want to share, guys, think about the stories I share with you. If you have a story that you think you would, all of your brothers and sisters out there in the outdoors world would love to hear about, write it into us at mywaywardstory at gmail.com and I'll share it. We'll get it on the air. We'll tell it instead of one of my stories. That's what this platform's intended to be. So get it sent in. Mywaywardstory at gmail.com. Anything else you guys want to do, if you want to be a patron, if you want to help support independent artists who doesn't have a full-blown sponsor yet, you can check that out through our website along with all of our social media. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of that stuff lives at the website, which is waywardstories.com. Um, and I think that's all I got for you guys tonight appreciate you coming back. I want to say it once more. Can't say it enough. And until I talk to you guys again, be good to each other. Go out there and find something to do in the world and make the world just a little bit of a better place. Carry on.